Speaking of traditions, tomorrow night, tomorrow night begins the holiday of Shavuot, the holiday that commemorates the giving of Torah on Mount Sinai. And it's always, the way the Jewish calendar works, it's always the same Torah portion right before the holiday. Tomorrow morning, we will chant from Bad Midbar, we'll chant from the first Torah portion in the Book of Numbers. And the Torah portion is called Bamidbar because it begins this way. Vaidaber Adonai El Moshe Bamidbar Sinai. All the names of the books of Torah, as Rabbi Bauer joked with me earlier today, a branding firm did not come up with them. Um, they are literally whatever the first unique Hebrew word in the first verse is. So, Vaidaber Adonai El Moshe, and the Lord spoke to Moses, Bamidbar, in the wilderness Sinai of Sinai. The classic rabbinic question that is asked in the canon of our tradition's literature that tries to link the Torah portion to the holiday of Shavuot is why is the Torah given in the wilderness, Bamidbar? Why doesn't God wait until the Israelites make it to the promised land to give them Torah? Why not give them the sweetness of Torah in the land of milk and honey? And the Midrash, the rabbinic commentary, has two related answers. The first is the following. Torah was given through fire, through water, and through the wilderness. Why these three things? Just as fire, water, and wilderness are free to all inhabitants of the world, so too are the words of Torah free to them as well. As it says in Isaiah 55, all who are thirsty come for water, even if you have no money. So this Midrash is saying that the Torah is like an element. It is like water and fire in the universe and it should be available to anyone in the world who wants to access it. That the Torah was given in the wilderness to make its universal message clear. Let all who are thirsty come drink from the words of Torah. This was an extremely popular interpretation for early Reformed Jews in the 19th century. And I hope you can imagine why. I hope it feels familiar to you because it very much represents what Emmanuel and the reform movement as a whole have tried and tried to do. To be open to all people, to make Torah approachable regardless of one's background. And while membership is not free for synagogue, I thought you would maybe be thinking that, and while membership is not free in the monetary sense to a synagogue, we do try to be as accessible as we can be even as Isaiah says in his quotation, even if you have no resources, let all who are hungry come drink. This is the classic Midrash that if you go back to many of the sermons that Reform rabbis and even Emmanuel rabbis gave in our 150 year history, they loved this Midrash. But what I didn't know until I went back to the original text is there's a second part what we say in Hebrew is a devar acher, another interpretation or an alternative idea. The Midrash keeps going and says, 
Why the wilderness? Because anyone who does not make themselves ownerless like the wilderness is cannot acquire the wisdom of Torah. Let me read that again. Anyone who does not make themselves ownerless, hefker in Hebrew, like the wilderness, cannot acquire the wisdom of Torah. This is a much more personal, even psychological take on the Torah portion. We have to get ourselves in the right spiritual frame of mind to receive Torah. We need to make ourselves like the wilderness, ownerless, hefker. When I lived in Israel and I was in graduate school, we had a hefker table. It was a table in the middle of the courtyard and anything that you didn't want anymore, like the rugala left over from the potluck or a notebook you didn't need anymore or maybe a novel you were done reading, you would put it on the hefker table, on the ownerless table, and anyone who wanted could come take it, right? It's like uh, sidewalks in San Francisco, but a little bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit more, uh, a little bit kinder. But the notion of making oneself hefker, not an item, but your own self, is much more radical. I imagine the midbar, I imagine the wilderness as this wild, open expanse like the Mojave Desert, beautiful and scary at the same time. We cannot control it. We may not even be able to survive it, yet we are drawn to it. We can really listen there. It is in that space of the elements of fire and water, that free space, that ownerless space that Torah is given. The rabbis teach that Torah was given in the wilderness to instill the virtue of humility, of anava, of humility in its students. That the wilderness is not a place of comfort or ease, it is a place that humbles you in your vulnerability. And that being hefker, being ownerless, like the wilderness is, is about being free of ego, literally not being owned by your own self. In many ways, this kind of humility is much more countercultural than the first interpretation. Our public leaders do not seem to value humility increasingly. And I think we're having a deep debate as to whether as parents we encourage our children to practice humility as they grow up. We seem to be much more about self-promotion than self-modesty, that we're all our own branding agency, our own marketing firm, and that we need to constantly being, promoting, being in a place of promoting ourselves. And I see that need for balance. Sometimes it is important that we confidently advocate for ourselves to help others recognize our value. Humility does not always serve us, especially in moments of deep powerlessness. And I certainly feel like I've had moments as a young woman, as a professional, where I've recognized the need to not be humble in the moment and to advocate for myself. But sometimes humility is exactly what we do need to gain perspective in this moment of great uncertainty, yet great abundance in our city. If you look above the ark in our sanctuary, it says, Da lifne mi ata umed. 
know before whom you stand. Da milifne mi ata omed, know before whom you stand. When they designed the ark, every time you opened it and saw the Sifri Torah, every time as a bat mitzvah, every time our congregation opened those doors and yet again lived a moment of Sinai, lived a moment in our own wilderness, we were supposed to look up and have a moment of great humility, of remembering before whom do we stand? What are we in connection and in relationship to this text and to our tradition and to something greater than ourselves? The prophet Micah reminds us, it has been told to you what is good and what God requests of you, only to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So as we approach Shavuot, as we approach the holiday tomorrow night, as we try to relive the experience of revelation on Mount Sinai, I come back to the second part of the Midrash. Oseh atzmo kamidbar, make yourself like a wilderness. And I encourage you to think about that in in a deeply psychological and spiritual way. Whether it's something you can do in the sanctuary with our community, whether it's something you need to go outside into nature to do. To think about the moments, right? Not all the time, but the key moments that humility can be a part of your spiritual practice. That you can make yourself vulnerable. That you can make yourself uncontrolled and maybe even that you can make yourself free so that you can fill in that empty space with the water, with the sustenance, with the sweetness of Torah. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.